And welcome back to the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I'm your host, the Conservative Atheist, and I'm joined today, as usual, by my co-host and producer. Brighter later. Hey, guys. And today we're talking about pro-life. Now, this isn't the first time we've talked about pro-life. Everybody knows my position. I'm militantly pro-life. I've been in the pro-life movement since the early to mid-80s. Uh, and I, if, you know, I, I'm so happy about the overturning of Roe versus Wade and, uh, and especially in Ohio, Ohio has pretty much made it to where it is, it's done away with abortion. So all the abortion clinics and all the Planned Parenthoods that I used to protest in front of, I no longer need to do that because they are out of business, at least out of the abortion business anyway. So without further ado, unfortunately, um, not every state obviously is going to be for, for, for those of you that for, are somehow confused and think that this means that abortion is illegal all over the country. No, that's not true. Uh, it went back to the way the constitution was originally designed, which was a state by state issue. Now, unfortunately that means that there are some States that abortion is still basically abortion on demand. And uh, my, today, my guest is someone who's from Illinois and Illinois is a very pro-abortion state as far as their laws and what's going on now. So hopefully that'll be overturned. Obviously, for decades, nobody thought that uh, Roe versus Wade would be overturned. Uh, I know I was I was shocked uh, and very pleasantly surprised. And so hopefully, you know, never give up hope. Never give up hope. It's always possible. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce the the representative of IllinoisProLife.org. And uh, her name is Amy Gerke. Amy Gerke, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. It's great to be here. Thank you. It's great to have you here. So if you don't mind me asking, when did you first get involved in the pro-life movement? Like, uh, you know, like roughly what what uh, year run, you know, what, you know, all that. So it was actually, um, you and I were chatting before we started recording. And it was actually about the same time you did, actually. Um, I grew up in a nice family. We weren't a religious family at all. Um, we lived in Los Angeles. We're enjoying back in the 70s. And um, then in 1980, uh, my dad announced that our family was moving to Fort Smith, Arkansas. And I thought he had lost his mind. So we moved to Arkansas. And uh, then he announced that he wanted to be involved in pro-life work. And then I knew he had lost his mind. So um, I didn't know anything about the issue. Um, I It was something that I just never thought about. I was in junior high. I had much better things to deal with. But um, my father explained to me that it was a really big deal. And I um, learned not only that, you know, clearly abortion takes the life of a preborn baby in an incredibly brutal and horrible way, but also that abortion is incredibly hurtful to women and is completely anti-feminist, completely anti-woman, and basically, um, allows men to continue using women as they will. So um, I actually approached the issue kind of from, from a different point of view than, than a lot of people. I, of course, was horrified by what was happening to babies and saw how it was having a detrimental effect on our culture. But I was also completely offended by what it does to women and how, how it hurts women. So back in the mid-80s, um, I started my pro-life journey working the fair booth for West Ark Right to Life at the Arkansas, Oklahoma State Fair. And um, I learned how to talk about the issue, um, got you know, 
kind of, you know, against my will, got more involved and more involved. And then when I was in college, I went to the University of Oklahoma from 1986 to 1990. I saw firsthand exactly what abortion can do to women. And that was what really set me on fire for this issue. And then um, in 1990, I was lucky enough to get a job at National Right to Life in Washington, D.C., straight out of college and was there for 10 years. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. And what are the, what are the laws currently in, in uh, Illinois regarding abortion? So, well, here in Illinois, it's, it's kind of crazy town. So, um, and just a little bit of a correction. I'm with Illinois Right to Life and we're at IllinoisRightToLife.org. And, right. um, uh, I, I actually had been in Wisconsin. Um, long story, I moved to Washington, D.C., met my husband, had my kids there, and then we didn't want to raise our family in the craziness that was D.C. So um, we moved to Wisconsin, where my husband was from, and I was very involved with Wisconsin Right to Life for over 20 years. And um, towards the end of my time there, um, it was becoming clear that the biggest threat to the women of Wisconsin was what was going on in Illinois. Um, and it was, it happened really fast. Illinois was actually pretty much a pro-life state until about 2017. And then in 2017, um, our supposedly pro-life conservative governor signed HB 40, which expanded Medicaid funding of abortion exponentially and um, uh, made it so basically anybody, including women from out of state, can get a taxpayer-funded abortion in Illinois. Um, then in 2019, um, the big granddaddy of them all, the Reproductive Health Act, was passed, which basically removed almost every protection um, that preborn babies had in the state of Illinois and moreover made abortion incredibly dangerous for women and the abortion industry because of the, the Reproductive Health Act, the RHA, basically regulates itself here in the state of Illinois. And then last year in 2020, our very last pro-life law, um, parental notification of abortion was repealed and Illinois got the dubious distinction of being the first state in the union to repeal a parental involvement law. So um, right now, uh, anybody can come to Illinois, get a taxpayer funded abortion. Uh, our governor, J.B. Pritzker, has opened the doors wide and basically wants to make Illinois an abortion haven right in the center of the country. So wow. for states like um, Wisconsin, where I'm from, and Missouri to our west, who, you know, basically is outlawed abortion as well, all of our surrounding states and even states throughout the Midwest, like Ohio, where you are, it's great that there are all these pro-life laws on the books. But with Illinois sitting here being this island of abortion extremism, those laws are really much less effective. Right, right, because it's not that, it's not that far of a drive from from Ohio to Illinois. Obviously, not at all, not at so, all. So you know, just right across Indiana, and you're there. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 sad that it flipped like that after 2017. Now, I know I was looking at your website, and you seem you you say your website states that your organization takes a four pronged approach to this. Now, when it says uh, education, could you go? Could you elaborate on what what uh, steps you take as far as education goes? So um, Illinois Right to Life, 
we have we do a lot of various things. We do a lot of outreach to high school kids, um, bringing up the next generation of pro-lifers. We have our own podcast, Life Chat, which uh, releases a new episode every other week. Next week, we're having Cal Thomas on, who is going to be the keynote speaker at our Illinois Right to Life Action Banquet in a few weeks. And uh, we also, what's been really important this past year, we have been traveling around the state with what we call our Ground Zero Tour. It's called the Ground Zero Tour because, as I mentioned, Illinois is pretty much ground zero for the abortion debate right in the center of the country. And um, since I came to Illinois, um, oh gosh, almost two years ago, it'll be two years in December, um, uh, the thing that's really shocked me is how few people here in the state have any idea what's really going on and how radical our abortion laws are. Um, people in the state of Illinois have no idea that coroners are no longer required to investigate women's deaths at abortion clinics. They have no idea that um, in the vast majority of cases, uh, the state does not inspect abortion clinics that they basically are allowed to inspect and regulate themselves. There are really no regulations on abortion clinics. Um, again, that our parental notice of abortion law has been repealed and minor girls, some as young as 11 and 12 can get abortions without the clinic ever notifying their parent. So um, people have just don't know. And as soon as people do know, even people who identify as pro-choice find out just how crazy things are here, they're absolutely appalled and want to do something to change what's going on. So um, that's been our focus for the past year. Um, our focus going forward, working with our sister organization, Illinois Right to Life Action, is to continue educating people and to actually flip some seats and start making change in our legislature so we can start restoring some protections to preborn babies and their moms. So I want to go over a few stats that you listed on your website, which I found very interesting. So 94% of students said that they left, they felt more pro-life after watching our heart-to-heart -heart educational program uh, speakers, and the, this includes pro-choice people. So 94%, that's that's a pretty pretty significant number. So obviously your, your program is reaching people and changing minds, I would like to think. Um, yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> Yeah, and then the other one's uh, three thousand five hundred young young adults were spoken to in live presentations and discussions about abortion and other li life issues impacting their generation over the past two years and alone. So that's you're, you're reaching a lot of people, obviously, um, reaching over six hundred thousand people. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. And financial assistance is five million dollars given in financial assistance was given to help mothers and crisis situations through. Yeah. So you actually support young mothers and they, yes. you know, people always, I always hear this nonsense. Uh, well, are you, you know, that pro pro-life people don't care about the child or don't care about people after they're born. They only care about them being born, which is obviously nonsense. I mean, $5 million, you're, you're, you're helping people out. Um, and the, the, the argument, the ridiculous argument, well, have you adopted kids? I don't have to adopt a child to tell you you can't murder a child. Exactly. I'm not I'm not going to adopt your 3-year-old. That doesn't mean you can murder your 3-year-old. No, exactly. And um you know, it's it's 
the same as saying, oh, you say you're against homelessness. Have you welcomed a homeless person to live in, in your house? You're, you know, you're, you support uh, diabetes awareness. Have you donated a kidney? You know, you don't have to do these certain things to be, you know, to support diabetes, to support the end of homelessness. And you don't have to adopt a child to say it's wrong to murder them. So no, our Project Love program does provide direct assistance to young moms who might be considering abortion because of an immediate financial crisis. Um, you know, we know that 64% of women feel coerced into having an abortion they don't really want either directly or indirectly. And a lot of times that's because of a financial crisis. They think that they can't afford another baby or um, you know, they don't have a place to live. Their boyfriend or their parents have said that they'll kick them out if they don't have an abortion or you know, it could be something as simple as they've fallen behind on their power bill or their car needs repair. So um, the purpose of Project Love, we work with pregnancy resource centers to make payments directly to legitimate creditors like landlords and utility companies and um, agencies like that. So these women can choose life. And um, our, one of our huge goals in 2023 is going to be to expand our Project Love program. Um, as you can imagine, with the economy kind of sputtering to a stop, the demand for these grants is absolutely through the roof. And um, July last month was actually the biggest month Project Love has had in the history of its, its existence. We gave out, um, oh my goodness, probably close to $25,000 in grants just last month alone. And um, it's it's going great guns. And there are lots and lots of women who need our help. But in addition to the women in Illinois who need the Project Love grants, uh, Planned Parenthood here in the state estimates that 20 to 30,000 women a year are going to be coming from out of state to have abortions here in the state of Illinois. So wow. right now we're working with our friends at pregnancy resource centers, um, other pro-life groups, pro-life groups in neighboring states to see what we can do as an organization to provide assistance to these women. Um, the, the area that's really gotten frightening to say the least is down um, in the Metro East region of the state. And that's the area just east of St. Louis on the Illinois side of the Mississippi River. And there are two clinics uh, one in Fairview Heights and one in Granite City, both about 20 minutes from the Missouri border, um, that they basically have no appointments. There are just dozens upon dozens of women coming to these clinics to have abortions. And uh, I believe that the Planned Parenthood Clinic in Fairview Heights said that they had their patient load increased by 800 patients in July alone. Wow. So, um, you know, we know that there are women just pouring over the border. Um, our sidewalk counselors down in Granite City and Fairview Heights have said that they see license plates from Missouri, of course, from Tennessee, from Arkansas, from Oklahoma, from Texas. So there are women driving great distances to Illinois to have abortions here. And so it is 
incumbent upon Illinois Right to Life and the pro-lifers across the state of Illinois to be a resource for these women. I mean, one of the crazy things, Governor Pritzker has said a lot of crazy things since the uh, draft opinion in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health case was leaked back in May. One of the craziest things he said is that he wants Illinois to be a beacon of hope for women who are seeking abortions. Now, there is absolutely nothing hopeful about abortion. Abortion is the antithesis of hope. And yes, it's 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 in less than five. Okay, so rape, incest, and and to save them uh, to save the mother's life, medical necessity, all three combined, are less account for less than five percent of abortions every year. So that means that, and and it may be extremely inconvenient, but that means in my mind, over ninety five percent of abortions every year are murders of convenience. Maybe, maybe maybe they're in an extreme situation, but it's not a life or death situation and it's not even no. rape or incest. No. And, you know, and again, um, you know, over 60 percent of women um, are having abortions that they don't really want. Either a boyfriend or a parent or somebody is directly coercing them into having an abortion, you know, either threatening them with kicking them out of the house or uh, uh denying financial assistance or whatever the case may be. And a lot of women just don't know that help is available. That yeah, and, um, and, and, I, and I believe you on that, but I think everybody needs to be held accountable, especially, so, especially the person that's actually pulling the trigger. So, well, and the, you know, the abortion industry is out there lying and uh, offering basically no hope. So, you know, it's our, our goal is to, make sure that women know that there are options out there, know that there is help available. And that's basically one of the purposes of our Project Love program. And one of the things that we want to do in expanding it is making sure that every woman who's in Illinois or who is crossing the border from another state into Illinois knows that there are options available, knows that there are you know, the, the abortion industry is, claims to be feminist, claims to be for women, and uh, the feminist movement tells women that they can do anything, that they're strong enough and um, bold enough to have a career and have a family. But as soon as a woman has an unplanned pregnancy, uh, you know, they're too weak to see an ultrasound of their preborn baby. They're too weak to finish school and have a baby. They're too weak to have a job and have a baby. All that they can do to empower themselves is abortion. And that's just the money talking. I mean, when you look at the abortion industry, everything they do goes back to money and profit and profiting from uh, taking advantage of women when they're at their most vulnerable by killing their kids. So, um, you know, we have got to let women know that there are options available, that there are dozens of pregnancy resource centers willing to give them help, that there's Illinois Right to Life's Project Love program willing to help alleviate their financial crises, that, there's, that there are people out there who want to see them succeed and want to see their babies have life and have, you know, have the wonderful life that, that lays ahead of them. I'm just wondering, oh, if I can really quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Because uh, obviously the talk when I'm hearing a living or I don't live in Illinois currently, but I was living earlier this year. And uh, the talk was that so many states uh, adjacent to Illinois have just outright banned abortion. So Illinois is kind of expected to be kind of an epicenter. And I think there's reading it. It was something like there's only like 15 abortion clinics, which not to be not to be crude here, but it seems like there's such a demand for abortion. I'm not quite sure how they can actually accommodate it. So I'm wondering, is there 
are there problems on that front? And are there are they also trying to expand abortion clinics? And have you heard rumblings of something along that those lines? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's a lot more than rumblings. Um, actually, uh, uh, in Carbondale, which is in the southern part of the state, um, south of Metro East, south of St. Louis, down towards uh, Kentucky and Tennessee. There are not one, but two abortion clinics that are slated to open. One is a uh, abortion clinic based out of Memphis that's called Choices, and they are opening in Carbondale. And then in uh, in Tulsa, you know, even back in the day when I was going to the University of Oklahoma, there was a notorious abortionist with uh, clinics in the Tulsa area. And of course, since abortion is pretty much outlawed in Oklahoma now, he is looking to set up a clinic in Carbondale as well. And then in the northern part of the state, in Rockford, which is right on the Wisconsin border, um, probably about an hour south of Madison, uh, uh, an abortionist, Dennis Christensen, who had clinics in Madison and Milwaukee, is looking to open two clinics in the Rockford area as well. Now, Christensen is really interesting. He had a clinic in Rockford for years and years that was shut down, I believe, in 2013, um, thanks to the efforts of sidewalk counselors and you know people doing grassroots action. Um, there's a really, really good book available on Amazon. It's called uh, Signs from a Peculiar Institution by a gentleman named Mark Waters, who's a professor uh, in the northern part of the state at McHenry uh, Community College, McHenry County Community College. Anyway, he tells the story and uh, Christensen's clinic in Rockford was closed down in 2013 because it was violating all sorts of um, health regulations. It was filthy, um, unsanitary equipment, unsanitary instruments, and it it just boggles the mind. They had um, basically satanic signs in the windows of this clinic in like a rubber chicken hanging from a noose in the window. I mean, it just wow. stuff that you wouldn't even believe was real unless there, you know, there, there are dozens of witnesses to the fact that this was, this was actually happening. So the same guy who ran this absolutely crazy, creepy, filthy clinic is coming back into Rockford to open two clinics. And it really illustrates how dangerous our laws are in Illinois, because now due to the Reproductive Health Act, clinics like Christensen's don't have to be investigated by the state. The reason that it was closed down back in 2013 is that there was enough, um, there were enough questions about what was going on behind closed doors that the state went in and inspected and saw that it was violating all sorts of regulations. Now that won't happen because it's not required for the state to investigate clinics. So, you know, again, how is Illinois' crazy abortion law. How are our politicians like J.B. Pritzker and his friends in the legislature helping women? All they're doing is allowing these horrible, awful, disgusting clinics to open and do business here in the state of Illinois. So now I, I don't know if, if you'd be willing to go to this extreme, but I know that I and a few other people, uh, one of the ways we held people accountable uh, first of all, we videotaped and, and took pictures of the the, the abortion doctor, the abortion, uh, the clinic workers. Uh, and we also took videotape and pictures of the cars going in and out of, of the, the abortion clinics. 
Um, this held people accountable. These, this, I mean, people got upset, but this held people accountable. There's a lot of people that would come to my state from out of state or from other parts of the state to sneak and have an abortion. Some guy would bring his wife or girlfriend or, or whatever the case may be. And, and, you know, sneak over here to one of the abortion clinics in my area uh, so that nobody could know. And uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, you, uh, the light is the best disinfectant. I don't know if that's ever a, a uh, something that any of you would consider, but uh, it, it's very it, it it works. It's very uh, it it really it really puts a spotlight on the problem. So, um, Illinois Right to Life does not do that sort of thing. I'll just, we're um, right now our focus on you know there are lots of great people in the state of Illinois who are in front of the abortion clinics, and um, a lot of my team sidewalk councils, talks to women outside of clinics, that sort of thing. That is really important work. The thing that's been missing in the state of Illinois and the reason that our state has gotten so radically pro-abortion is that nobody has held the radicals in our legislature to task. Nobody has exposed what's going on with our laws and how crazy that they've become. One thing that people don't know anything about in the state of Illinois that's really surprised the heck out of me is that there's one organization that is largely responsible for our laws becoming so extreme. And it's a political action committee called Personal Pack, and they were formed, um, they were organized back in um, late 80s, early 90s, and they started working by raising money, raising tons and tons of money. They got donations from a lot of people in the finance industry here in Chicago. They got donations from um, the Lurie family that started Lurie Children's Hospital here in Chicago, which, you know, wrap your head around that. The people who started Children's Hospital are also largely responsible for us being so pro-abortion. And also many members of the Pritzker family donated to Personal Pack. So they began raising money. They raised money through the 90s. And then in the early 2000s, they started working races. And their motto is pro-choice, no exceptions. And they mean that. And they will only support candidates who take a no exceptions stance on abortion. So they elected all of these radically pro-abortion people to our state legislature, people whose abortion opinion um, went, was even more extreme than many people who consider themselves pro-choice. So not only did they start electing people with these radical pro-abortion positions, but these people who you know, held these radical positions on abortion, also held radical positions on things like school choice and crime and other issues. So because of abortion, the state of Illinois has taken a hard left and most people don't even know that personal PAC exists. So what is really lacking in the state of Illinois right now is organization to work races and get people who actually represent the beliefs of their constituents elected to office. Um, it, just in the year and a half I've been here, I have seen um, people in our state legislature ha get you know, thousands of phone calls 
urging them not to repeal parental notice of abortion, not to support other pro-abortion measures. And they absolutely don't care. People are so scared of personal pack and their money that they would rather do the will of the abortion industry than they would the will of their constituents. So um, Illinois Right to Life Action, which is part of um, Illinois Right to Life, obviously, um, is taking the bull by the horns and working to a, educate people about what's really going on in the state, why we've become so liberal, why we've become so soft on crime, why, you know, why our education system is so far to the left, and help them understand that abortion is what helped make our state so, so liberal, and that abortion has to be part of what brings us back from the edge of the abyss. So our focus, we have lots of people, you know, kind of working on the granular micro level. The goal of Illinois Right to Life is to work from a more, you know, more 10,000 foot level and affect major change throughout the state, you know, reach thousands of people, affect, you know, save thousands of lives and really change the direction that our state is going policy wise. And um, the thing that was I, one of the things that I learned after coming to Illinois is we are not nearly as lost as people believe we are um, for a pro-abortion, for any bill to pass in our house, it has to have 60 votes. HB 40 passed by two votes. It passed by 62 votes. The Reproductive Health Act passed by 64 votes. And the repeal of parental notice of abortion passed by 62 votes. So if we only have a handful of legislators who will say no to the radical agenda of personal PAC and the abortion industry in the state of Illinois, we can stop some of the crazy things that we know are coming down the pike and actually roll back a lot of the things that we know the majority of Illinoisans oppose and restore protection to to women and preborn babies. Well, I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh, the pro-life movement and and the the gains that we've made changes a lot of things because it's not just it's not just uh, pro-life it's not just abortion and, and killing babies. It's we, we've also went down the, the ugly path of sexualizing children, yes, uh, which is yes. extremely and, and a lot of people say, well, they're not connected. I think they're very connected. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the bills that passed um, not this past session, session before last in uh, uh, 2021 was Senate Bill 818. And basically it mandated that uh if a, if a school district is going to teach sex ed, it ha is this radical curriculum that basically was designed by abortion advocates. And looking at the curriculum, it basically is designed to hypersexualize children beginning in kindergarten, while at the same time normalizing abortion. And as I said, you know, the abortion industry is very involved in the curriculum. And, you know, you look at the long game, basically the goal of this agenda, the goal of SB 818 is to hypersexualize kids, normalize abortion. And so that these kids become abortion customers when they're in junior high and high school. And, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier. When you look at the abortion industry, you always have to follow the money, the hypersexualization of kids, the radical sex ed agendas, curriculums. Um, you know, if you look at Planned Parenthood's website for teens, it, it's, it is so graphic and 
you know, so disgusting. Basically, all they want is for kids to have sex because when kids have sex, they get pregnant and they have abortions. So, yeah, I absolutely agree that it is 100 percent linked. Well, and we're, we're, we're to the point now where we're, we're making women obsolete, or at least that seems like the agenda. Yes. Uh, we've decided that men can be women just by saying they're, they're women. And men can can actually provide unfair competition in sports. When men and I just did we just did a series of interviews over a situation in uh, oh um, what was the town um, the right Port, later? Port Townsend, uh, Washington. I don't know if you heard about the news where the the old woman asked uh, somebody that claimed to be a a woman to leave the shower rooms because this person was watching children un undress. Uh, and it was a man in a basically in a female bathing suit, and uh, she was the one kicked out. And it was oh my just gosh, a, yeah, banned from the pool for life. Unbelievable. Yeah, so a real woman gets kicked out, an old woman, eighty years old, and mm -hmm. uh, this guy is uh, allowed to to work there and 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 uh, watch the children get undressed. It, it's it's absolutely disgusting. Mm -hmm. um, he hasn't had any surgery on the bottom part, so. Uh, even if he had, it's it's disgusting. But if you know, in this case, he's walking into the shower rooms with everything that a man has, uh, you know, at eye level, basically for a kid, and uh, it's it's just the most disgusting thing. This this world is really is really uh, heading to the, you know, circle in the bowl, in my opinion. I I hope things change. Uh, I'm a little bit pessimistic, to be honest, but I hope I hope uh, you know the overturning of Roe versus Wade has definitely made, gave me some encouragement. Mm -hmm. Some, so, you know, make me feel a little bit better. So we've spoken about education. We've spoken about legislation and we've spoken a little bit about uh, support. Um, was there more about support or, and, and the next topic I'd like to talk about is research. So, yeah. So, I mean, as far as support, um, yeah, we're, we're going to be, we're, like I said, talking to our friends at pregnancy resource centers there, you know, you know, along with the people in front of the clinics, they're on the front lines of this issue. And we're going to do all we can to support them. So, um, yeah, so research. Yeah, research. What would that involve? Um, so basically what we have been doing and what we're going to be doing is looking at the most effective ways that we can restore protection to preborn babies. Um, we, uh, you know, we've been doing a great deal of, uh, polling lately. We just got some new results in just last week, um, showing what anecdotal evidence, um, had, had kind of been pointing to that the vast majority of Illinoisans, even those who identify as pro-choice, think that our abortion laws have gone too far. They think that, um, and just like we were talking about, they think that uh, the, the sex ed curriculum outlined in Senate Bill 818 is too extreme, is too radical. Um, basically, the abortion industry and uh, liberals in our state have hung themselves. They've given themselves way too much rope. And um, the people of Illinois, when they know what's going on, are saying, whoa, you know, this is too much. This is too extreme. This is too radical. Um, I'm sure that you've experienced this. You know, I love talking to people who disagree with me on issues, who, um, 
I don't know. I think it's boring and you make yourself a boring person if you talk to people who agree with you all the time. Echo, echo chambers, echo chambers are extremely boring extremely boring and extremely dangerous. And so, you know, when you talk to people who disagree with you, you basically find out, you know, somebody can claim to be, you know, a, a flaming radical liberal, but, you know, bottom line, they want to raise their kids. They want their kids to have a better future than they did. You know, they, they don't want, you know, they don't want the radicalism that, you know, the very, loud minority is pushing. They they don't want, they think that abortion clinics need to be inspected. They think that it's crazy that nail salons and tanning salons face tougher regulations in the state of Illinois than abortion clinics do. They don't want their kindergartners, you know, learning about gender identity. They just want to, to live. And basically, when you talk to people, um, they're not that different from, you know, from you. So uh, uh, the thing that's really interesting is when I talk to people about my issue, about the abortion issue, and when I talk to them about, you know, how far things have gone in Illinois, the position of most of these, you know, extremely pro-choice people that I talk to, their position on abortion is a lot closer to that of Illinois right to life than it is of personal pack and Planned Parenthood, when they learn what the abortion industry is really standing for and really doing, they, um, they are appalled. So our goal is to take that research, um, take what we're learning about where the people of Illinois stand and, you know, get the message out, use it to, um, you know, get the Republicans, get people in our state to understand that they are not doing what the people of Illinois want and um, to have hard data to get the correct message to persuade people that, you know, it's okay to not go along with the woke mob, that it's okay to say that you want reasonable restrictions on abortion, that most people feel the same way that you do, that you don't have to be scared of the woke mob, that most people feel the same way that you do about these issues. Well, the, you know, the, guys, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, she, she, she wasn't finished. Oh, were you finished? Sorry. I'm finished. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask uh, really quickly because uh, I guess kind of it, it seems like kind of the angle you're taking is that uh, a lot of the seemingly kind of woke stuff, such as like uh, anti-police or very low on crime and just gender stuff, uh, you're, you, and from your uh, kind of interpretation, it seems to emanate from kind of a, a lot of the kind of pro-life lobbies. And I guess my question is, how would you respond to kind of a... I don't know if you want to say anti-woke conservative who thinks that uh, abortion, well, it's probably a problem, does is ultimately going to stymie a lot of these issues, such as like, a, or I guess is evidenced by cases like DeSantis, was it the 15-week ban? Mm -hmm. or, and I guess then became tasked to turn on it, and I guess someone like Blake Masters, where I think he was very, very anti-abortion, then he had to expunge it like a week ago. How would you respond to concerns like that? Um, I would, well, here in the state of Illinois, we are so extreme <laughs> that, you know, the talk of, you know, uh, any mention of 15 week abortion bans or any abortion ban is so far down the pike um, that, you know, it's it's not really on our horizon right now. Um, we'd love to be there someday. The reality is, is that right now, 
Um, Illinois has over 46,000 abortions each year. That very easily is going to rise to 66,000, 76,000. I mean, it could easily skyrocket to 100,000 abortions each year. And our goal as pro-lifers is to save as many lives as possible. And the people of Illinois do not want our state to be a haven of abortion extremism. So, you know, there are actually, um, I think, uh, lots of lots of pieces, parts to that to that question. So, um, you know, a lot of people are absolutely, you know, who aren't really educated on the abortion issue are completely freaked out by the fact that Roe versus Wade was overturned. I think um, I forget who did the the survey. Um, can you tell I really like data? I always go back to surveys. No, anyway, no, it's good. It's good. Number, numbers don't lie. Numbers don't. That's exactly what I always say. Numbers don't lie. Anyway, there was a poll taken right after, right before um, uh, the Dobbs decision came down that said that over 70% of Americans thought that because Roe versus Wade was overturned, that meant that abortion was illegal across America, which of course is not true. So people are really, really confused about abortion. I mean, let's face it. It's uh, unfortunately, I think people are confused about damn near everything, but that's, well, a, whole yeah, would, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's, but, yeah, I would right. absolutely agree with that. Anyway, but you know, when it comes to the abortion issue, um, you know, people don't really think about it and um, people don't like to think about it. So, um, you know, here in Illinois, like I said, we are so far away from abortion bans and we have the data that shows that people think that our laws are too extreme. So right now, you know, sitting as the executive director of Illinois Right to Life, our goal is to restore some basic protections and make sure that that number does not jump to 86,000, 96,000, 106,000 abortions every year to save as many lives as possible as we're able to in the current political climate here in the state of Illinois. Um, you know, when people know what abortion really is, though, and when they understand the humanity of the preborn child, then their minds start to change. I think right now, we're in kind of a weird point in history. Um, like I said, a lot of people are completely freaked out because Roe versus Wade was overturned and they're just thinking in the immediate abstract, oh my goodness, women need access to abortion because abortion is good for women and because there are gonna be all of these unwanted children and you know all of these misconceptions that people have when they're pro-choice. You know, we've you said it, and I actually thought the same thing. I never thought I would see Roe versus Wade overturned in my lifetime. I thought if I worked hard, you know, maybe my grandkids would see that day. But, you know, we've seen the number of abortions decreasing. Um, uh, you know, we saw them decreasing for several years because of chemical abortions. They're starting to, to tick up again. But you know, the vast majority of Americans don't want late-term abortions. They want a 15-week ban. 
I think the vast majority of Americans, when they know what the actual agenda of the abortion industry in America is, abortion on demand for any reason through all nine months of pregnancy, they're going to be appalled by that. Right now, um, I, you know, I think the, the pro-life movement was kind of caught flat-footed when Roe versus Wade was overturned. There, there were a lot of things that we weren't prepared for. Right. The reaction of of Americans was definitely one of them, um, providing resources for women who no longer had abortion available in their state was another one. But I think right now, um, education is absolutely key. Helping people understand, you know, this is what the abortion industry wants in America. Is this what you want? This is what I think. I think part of the problem is the Republican Party, a lot of consultants have convinced candidates that abortion is an issue that they have to run screaming from. And, you know, back in the 90s, when I was with National Right to Life, um, the, the executive director of National Right to Life has a PhD in theoretical mathematics. He's a really smart guy. And he would look at every race that we were involved in. And, you know, without going too far into the weeds, by and large, when abortion was an issue in a race and the abortion issue was messaged correctly to the correct audience at the correct time, 99% of the time it was a winning issue and was a net positive of two to three percentage points for the pro-life candidate. So I think the pro-life movement has a lot of education to do. We have a lot of work to do refining our message. And we have a lot of work to do just, you know, like I said, taking the bull by the horns with this issue and speaking the truth about it, explaining to people that it's the abortion industry, that it's Planned Parenthood, that it's groups like personal pack here in Illinois that there are the extremists. They're the ones who don't want abortion clinics to be regulated, who want abortion to be, you know, under this special umbrella where it's self-regulated, where no rules apply, where women are not protected, where babies clearly are not protected. We need to educate people on what abortion actually does. We need to educate people on what abortion actually does to women. We need to connect the dots that since abortion was legalized in 1973, child abuse has gotten worse. You know, uh, the all of these societal ills that legal abortion was supposed to cure have actually gotten worse. So, um, you know, the Republican Party, the conservative movement needs to stop being afraid of abortion. They need to point out that the abortion industry are the extremists. And um, again, message this issue correctly to the correct audience in the correct way at the correct time. And the abortion issue can and will be a winning issue. Well, to me, to me, this is a hill to die on. Oh, oh I, 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 I'm a I'm a single. When it, I'm not a single single issue voter on most issues. This is the exception. I'm a single issue voter. If mm -hmm. you're pro-choice, I'm not going to vote for you. Period. It's just not mm -hmm. going to happen. Um, because this is this is the murder of you of innocent human beings. Mm -hmm. I, I just can't see how anybody could see it any other way. Apparently, right. people do, but I, I personally can't see how. I mean, it's it's, it's black and white. It's like saying put it, holding up a gun to somebody's head and pulling the trigger, but that's not murder. That's whatever. No, that's murder. So this is just as much murder to me as that is. And so, and to to the to my fellow atheists out there that tend to lean left, I'm I'm on the far right, but they tend to lean left or far left. Um, they always, you know, criticize Christians. Christians, and I want everybody to hear this. Christians are on the vanguard of upholding Western civilization and, and the, the values 
and the ethics that make Western civilization great. Mm -hmm. And anybody that denies that is simply a fanatic. Just like there are fanatical Christians, just like there are fanatical Jews, and needless to say, <laughs> fanatical Muslims. That's a whole other conversation. But just like that, there are tons and tons and tons of fanatical atheists. And any any atheist that claims that there's no good that, that's that's created by Christians, that they serve no value, is it, simply lying to everybody, including themselves. So, no, and I, I would agree. Uh, one of the things that, that's kind of frustrating in the pro-life movement is how many um, pastors and priests and other religious leaders are, again, scared of this issue. They're afraid of offending people from the pulpit. And, you know, that's just ridiculous because, you know, every everybody who preaches a sermon on Sunday is speaking to a woman who's had an abortion. I mean, that's just the reality of it. And, you know, they need to hear that give them they need to hear you know whatever their faith tradition is they need to hear that that there's forgiveness that they can move on and they need to know that abortion is wrong just like you said it's it's murder and you know of the most innocent members of the human population in a most brutal way i mean you know if somebody was ripping apart people you know, as part of the death penalty, everybody would be absolutely outraged. Right. But you know, here we are doing it to tiny, innocent babies and nobody says a thing. So, you know, I think you're absolutely right. It's incumbent upon the religious community to, to lead the way on this. But something that I've seen lately that I think is really exciting is the rise in secular pro-life groups. Um, yes. Ever since the, uh, you know, the past, since the Dobbs decision came down back in June, um, secular pro-life, if um, any of your listeners want to see some great <laughs> pro-life arguments, find secular pro-life on social media or, you know, check out their website or whatever. They're fantastic. There is um, Teresa Bukanovic and the Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising, um, PAAW. They're doing incredible work. Um, there's Rehumanize International. There are all of these left-leaning, um, secular, sometimes atheist pro-life groups that are really, you know, taking the lead on this or, this issue. And, um, you know, I lean very conservative, libertarian, but uh, pro-life liberals are some of my favorite people because, you know, they're absolutely consistent, you know, in their desire to protect the most vulnerable and, you know, equity and fairness. And, you know, if you're going to be, if you want true equity, you have to be equitable to every human. And that includes pre-born humans. So um, it's really, really exciting to see. Right. Yeah. There, there's uh, there's, well, let me just say this. There, there's, there's a pro there's, there's, and I, I'm not sure how active it is anymore, but there's godlessprolifers.org, uh, there's secularprolife.org, and there's humanistprolife.org, and there's a few other ones. But mm -hmm. these these are fairly large organizations. I reached out to a few of them. I haven't gotten any. I haven't got any anything back. But uh, they're they're very, you know, they're fairly decent sized organizations, and they don't they're not religious centric. Although the, most of the, the majority of uh, the religious, the uh, anti-abortion people are religious. And, and people say that as, as if it's a negative. It's not a negative. It's not mm -hmm. a negative unless, unless, you're, unless you're a bigot and you just think that anybody that doesn't believe the way you believe is, is stupid, which unfortunately it seems like a lot of atheists believe. And I'm, not in that, I'm definitely not in that camp. Um, but this has to stop. It, it needs to stop permanently. 
it needs to stop in every state and we need to we need to fight this issue as much as humanly possible Mm -hmm. um and and whatever needs to be done work on legislation work on the minds of the people it just has to stop uh you know you it drives me crazy when i talk to people that are um oh uh they 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 won't they won't you know they're they're not just uh, they're not just vegetarians they're vegans they won't eat any meat they consider uh, you know one one guy told me that uh, KFC was like was like the Holocaust uh, <laughs> every every day for chickens okay so it's so crazy that you think KFC is like the Holocaust every day for chickens but you're pro you're you're, you're pro choice and you think it's okay to kill a human being. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So, um, yeah, yeah. No, I actually used to be a vegan for a while, simply for health reasons. But I got to know a lot of people who were in that camp who thought I was crazy for being pro-life, but loved me because I wasn't eating steak. So go figure. I am. I'm damn near a carnivore. I used to, I used to <laughs> when I was in college at Ohio State, I used to tease people. They would say, uh, you know, I don't eat anything with a face or parents. And I used to say, I, I refuse to eat anything that doesn't have a face or parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, now living in Wisconsin at the time, it was glorious melty cheese that was my downfall. So. Oh, so good. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. Right or later, you want to jump in? Yeah, I, I was wondering, and this is kind of one of the, uh, this is kind of one of the big questions I have for kind of the post Roe v. Wade America, and it's that. Uh, if you see a state kind of uh, pass pro-life laws or I guess outright ban abortion or, or whatever corresponds that usually it's like six weeks or heartbeats or it's usually about there. It's a usually corresponds that, but uh, could you see a, a scenario in which uh, any of these states, which uh, ban abortion ultimately unban it? And could you see some sort of arms race uh, happening where this becomes like a, one of the, probably the most salient issue in uh, one particular state's, uh, I don't know, election. Um, no, definitely. Well, I mean, here in Illinois, uh, Governor Pritzker, who everybody thinks is going to run for president now, um, insane. Anyway, he's trying to make it a huge issue here in our state simply because he has nothing else to run on. Crime is out of control. Our economy is crap. And, you know, that's it, it's something that he can talk about and pander and things will, will be good. No, I definitely um see this being a huge issue in a lot of states and um uh you know obviously we would we want to see as many protections for pre-born babies as possible and um you know under the 10th amendment under our system of government it does make sense for this to be an issue that goes to the states but um you know just as there is you know certain murders fall under federal jurisdiction, we would love to see abortion it, as much as it's possible fall under federal jurisdiction. So, um, you know, just as many babies as can be protected as possible, obviously, is is our bottom line. But no, I do see yeah. this being a huge I, issue. I'm in a particular, could you see kind of a state that, uh, do you think once a state to uh, implement some sort of, uh, let's just say, outright ban of abortion, that those could be reversed? Or yeah, oh, absolutely. Do you think once there's a place that they could be? Okay. Well, yeah, no, actually, I um, had a really, really interesting conversation um, earlier this summer with some people from Missouri. I was 
um, down in Metro East doing some work and crossed the river and met with a bunch of people who um, championed the, the laws and the legislation in Missouri that made it basically an abortion-free state. But looking at the situation there, um, you know, as I believe is the case in every state, you know, laws are very tenuous. And this is such a contentious issue that all it takes is, you know, one election cycle to swing the makeup of a state legislature and the governor's mansion and every, you know, all of the gains can be wiped away, you know, and the, the opposite is true. This is what we're hoping for in Illinois, you know, a couple of election cycles and we change the makeup of our legislature and the who's in the governor's mansion here and we're able to roll back some of our extreme pro-abortion laws. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth in the years to come. And, you know, it goes back to what I said about education. Ultimately, it's we need to help people understand what abortion is, what it does, and um, how ultimately it's it's bad for bad for babies, bad for women, bad for society. Yeah, it's it's really bad for society. It, it's it means that we don't value our most uh, precious and our most vulnerable as society. Um, you know, the, what's what's next? Uh, we're going to start pushing. Oh, in fact, we are. I think in a lot of cases we already are pushing old people to uh, go ahead and die because they're a burden on the family and on the state. Um, it's it's a devalue of human life. Uh, and it's it, it just undermines Western civilization and, you know, and, and all facets of life. No, absolutely. And um, Illinois right to life and basically the entire pro-life movement. I mean, people hear about us, they think abortion and that is a lot of what we do, but um, the mission of Illinois Right to Life is to protect innocent human life from conception until natural death. So end of life issues are also part of what we do. And, you know, as, as radical as we've been on the abortion issue, you know, knock on wood, um, legislation to legalize assisted suicide has not been introduced in the state of Illinois yet. And yet is a huge, huge caveat. But um, no, we've absolutely seen a rise in assisted suicide since the legalization of abortion. And, you know, it all goes back to the basic premise of, you know, does human life have value or doesn't it? And um, my husband and I have this disagreement all the time. He thinks that end of life issues ultimately go to the religious. And do you believe that there's you know, salvific power and suffering and, you know, all of this Catholic stuff. I say no, because the bottom line is in areas where we've seen euthanasia legalized, there are so many easy, easy ways that it can be and has been abused. Um, you know, people pushing uh, loved ones into dying. Um, we saw Oh, gosh, I don't remember the specifics of the story, but just in the past couple of weeks in Canada, a veteran with PTSD was encouraged to die. Um, right. Uh, you know, we see this happening all the time. The, the, the avenues for abuse are many when it comes to legalized assisted suicide. And, you know, what starts off as something that proponents say will never happen, you know, like in the Netherlands, it's common now for children to be euthanized. I would, well, maybe not common, but it's something that happens. And years ago, um, proponents said, oh, no, euthanasia will never be considered for children. And now it is. So, you know, that that slippery slope is real. And when it comes to the culture of death, it gets very frightening, very, very fast. Well, and, and in certain countries, 
there's sex selective abortions. So in India and China, uh, they, especially India, India has a dowry system where it means basically if you're, if you, if you're a, a family and you have daughters and those daughters marry young men, you have to pay the, it's assumed that the young man is going to take care of the, the woman for life, that he's mm -hmm. going to take care of all of her financial needs. And so you're supposed to pay this huge dowry uh, to the, to the, to the groom's uh, family. And uh, again, it devalues life because you have all of these, uh, you know, they're the pushing the, if the, the, the dowry isn't paid and it's not big enough, you have all these people encouraging the woman to commit suicide. There's all these suspicious um, uh, barbecue backyard uh, fires where the woman ends up dying all of a sudden. Um, and again, the selective abortions where, the, you know, they don't want to pay the dowry. So if they find out that they're going to have a girl, they kill the girl. They, they, they have the abortion. Same thing with China. And now they're, they're now they're coming up with problems of having too many males and not enough females. Right. Right. So they're not they're not thinking ahead. No, not at all. And, you know, that, again, going back to how extreme the abortion industry here is here in America, um, you know, Planned Parenthood and other abortion advocates have actively opposed laws to ban sex selection abortions because it, it interferes with a woman's right to choose. I mean, it's just craziness, absolute craziness. So, well, and, and they, they talk about being they talk about being, uh, you know, on the side of people that have disabilities. They also talk about, well, what if your child has Down syndrome? What if so you want to murder your child because your your child has Down syndrome? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that, you know, they're, they're reprehensible. All, all these arguments in, in favor of, uh, of, of abortion uh, that, that some of them make it sound good. Once you talk to them long enough, they reveal their real, real motivation. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of times their motivation is simply to make their lives easier, not or to, or to eliminate people that they consider less less desirables. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it it smacks of horrible things and our, our past. And um, no, and they want to I mean, when you look at abortion, it's incredibly ableist. They want to eradicate people who are defective in their minds in any way. Um, you know, it's incredibly racist, as we know, they, yep. you know, the majority of, of black babies in New York City are being aborted and Planned Parenthood always sets up shop in poor and minority neighborhoods. And, you know, and it's also very classist. Um, it, so many times it's better in their minds for poor children never to be born than to live what they would consider a horrible life so yeah i hear that argument all the time that, that, that they're killing children for their own good no it, yeah and who's to say and you know think about what that says to all the kids who are in foster care and kids who you know are not living what's deemed an acceptable life you know you're not worth living it would be better off if you were if you were dead well, three three quick points. Three quick points. Uh, so they say that uh, adoption. I always bring up adoption. They say adoption isn't isn't valid because a lot of times kids have a hard time getting adopted. That's simply not true. It's no. true. It's true if you're a ten year old or if you're a thirteen year old or fourteen year old, and you and all of a sudden you you lose your parents. Then it's there. Then it's very difficult to get adopted. But newborn babies have lines and lines and lines and lines of people waiting to adopt them. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, so, so that's just simply not true. The second thing is, is that back on the on the whole, uh, you know, the, the race thing, Margaret Sanger uh, gave uh, gave uh, speeches to the, the Ku Klux Klan 
to to the uh they had like a sister group i forget what it was called but they gave they gave she gave speeches about this was the way to eliminate the black race mm -hmm. so that and, and thirdly adolf hitler did not start with the jews he started no. with the mentally and physically handicapped right right no there's a book called the nazi doctors i can't remember who wish i could remember the author's name but you know if anybody wants wants a really chilling read um, read that book because um you know a lot of what a lot of the eugenics of you know the early nazi party are a lot of their beliefs are really similar to a lot of things that are said by the abortion industry it's very chilling i was i, I was wondering because i know we when we talked about this originally uh, obviously they bring up adoption they say that uh, oh well, there's not going to be demanded for it and obviously the case is that uh, adoption parents tend to be the most optimal and I was wondering, somebody, and I always held this argument, and someone brought up the point that, okay, well, it'd be 300,000, uh, I guess, uh, pregnancies happening. So can adoptionees, I guess, uh, adoption parents, can they kind of accommodate that demand? And I've started to kind of wonder that. And I was wondering if you have a take on that. Um, well, I know when I started working at National Right to Life a thousand years ago, back in 1990, it, the number was... I think it was there were um, at that time uh, about three million abortions a year. That was kind of, you know, when abortion was at its peak and two million or wait. No, it was three million couples waiting to adopt two million abortions a year. I can't remember the specific number, but the number of couples waiting to adopt always greatly outnumber the number of abortions. So, you know, okay. it's clearly not a, it's not a problem with couples, you know, looking, you know, couples out there willing and able to take these babies. It's a messaging problem. It's a, I hate to say a distribution problem because it makes it sound like babies are a commodity, but, you know, basically there's a huge disconnect between, you know, these couples waiting to adopt and the abortion industry there are, you know i'm sure you guys know everybody knows a couple who is desperately wanting to adopt a child a couple who's very willing to adopt a child you know just like the the michigan coach said recently if you don't want your baby we'll take it right um you know there's so many of us out there who feel that exact same way yeah the, the, you know the thing is is that you know the difference is 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 that when you're born to a uh, you know parents you get what you get when you're when you're adopted to a family those people have jumped through all sorts of hoops to be able to qualify for it to be an adoptive parents mm -hmm. and so you're getting the crindle of the crimp i mean of course there's going to be exceptions but you're getting people that have met all the standards that that are required and have waited for years to get an, a baby so you're you're getting the best possible situation no, absolutely. I, well, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier in the show, the abortion industry claiming that pro-lifers don't care about babies after they're born. I know I've lost track of the, the couples and even single parents that I know who have adopted children who are in the pro-life movement, either full-time or on a volunteer basis. And, um, you know, in every state hearing all of the hoops that they have to jump through and the home studies and the, the cost, it's just, it's incredible. I mean, these are parents who are willing to do anything to help these children and to, you know, help a baby. And in a lot of cases, an older child, and in a lot of cases, an older child living with disabilities, 
have a home and be adopted and have a family. So, um, so yeah, I mean, to say that there are all of these unwanted children out there is, you know, there are very difficult, tough circumstances, but there are lots and lots of parents out there who, you know, want to make a wonderful life for these babies. Absolutely. I was, uh, I was wondering really quickly, kind of harkening back to something uh, you're referencing with Planned Parenthood, I guess, write the life pack, whatever the pack was that uh, they will not endorse a candidate unless they support third trimesters abortion, third trimester abortions, or I guess really no restrictions. And I'm wondering, yeah, this... not, 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 not right. Not, not right to life. Pack. Yeah. I was just about to say oh, that. Sorry. Yeah. They're whatever, called, whatever it's, the, yeah, it's here in Illinois. It's called personal pack. Sorry. I got to PAC mixed up, but uh, I, I'm wondering, uh, it, is, is Illinois a first, uh, I guess a 24 week ban like the rest of states? Well, technically, it says that there is a 24-week ban, but because of the verbiage in our law that talks about the health of the mother, and health meaning anything, including psychological health, which could be, oh, I'm stressed out, oh, I'm whatever, basically, abortion is legal for any reason up to the moment of birth in Illinois. And a lot of people don't realize that, but when you point out what the law actually says and, you know, point out what health means in the law. Um, they are, you know, people realize, oh, holy cow, abortion is legal <laughs> up until, you know, for any reason throughout all nine okay. months of pregnancy. So, um, you know, one of the cl two clinics down in Metro East on the Missouri border, the Hope Clinic in Granite City, um, advertises that they do abortions through the second trimester. And our sidewalk counselors down there, you know, routinely see women going into the clinic who are visibly pregnant. And, um, you know, again, if you look at any annual report of uh, Planned Parenthood, any research from the Guttmacher Institute, you know that the majority of late abortions are performed for exactly the same reasons as early abortions. The woman's feeling pressured. It's because of a financial problem. It's because she doesn't think that she can afford or handle another baby. So, you know, the, the abortion industry likes to say that late-term abortions are only for extreme cases when there is, you know, a severe fetal anomaly or the baby's going to die or something like that. That's an absolute lie. Late-term abortions happen for the same reason as early abortions. Yeah. When you, when you make, uh, when you make medical exceptions, they, the, the laws have to be very specific. They have to be well-defined and, and narrowly focused. So otherwise, yeah. otherwise, like you said, they can, they, they can virtually mean anything. No, exactly. And that's, um, you know, the, and the abortion industry, I've been, you know, on debates with leaders from Planned Parenthood and other organizations and, you know, they'll insist up one side and down the other. Oh no, we have a 24 week abortion ban. Oh no, clinics are regulated in the state. And, you know, absolute lies. <laughs> like my husband said this first, when your business is killing people for a living, lying comes easily. And the abortion right. industry definitely likes to um, uh, bend the truth quite a bit. If you can murder a baby, uh, and especially your own baby, what, what can't you do? Exactly. Exactly. And you know, anything, anything else comes easily. So can you see that? Cause I'm, I was kind of curious and this was a, I, I'm wondering, could you see, uh, I guess, third trimester or 
or laws allowing for third trimester abortion coming down the pike with kind of the, the seeming like galvanization over, over abortion in some liberal states? Um, well, they, the abortion industry is smart. They will never say that. Um, you know, basically under Roe versus Wade, abortion was legal through all nine months of pregnancy because of its companion decision, Doe versus Bolton, which again um, said that abortions could be performed late in pregnancy uh, for health reasons and health included mental health and mental health included basically anything. So, um, you know, what, what will happen is what happened in Illinois with the Reproductive Health Act. They'll say that abortions are not legal past 24 weeks, but there will be really slippery language um, that, you know, unless you look really closely, you won't understand that abortion is legal through all nine months of pregnancy. And, um, you know, because the abortion industry knows, they know that, you know, they don't have public opinion 100% on their side, which is why, you know, they're, they're incredibly good at marketing and using, you know, euphemisms and doublespeak and, um, uh, you know, other other ways of bending the truth to get their agenda passed. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I was impression that it was a that it was a or that third trimester abortions were a, I guess mostly some sort of health related reasons, but I didn't know that. Uh, I guess there's data showing that it's a. It's it's I guess non due to non health related or kind of more like equivoc or kind of more like equivocal health reasons like mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, no, you always have to look closely at at what a you know a twenty four week ban or a sixteen week ban or that sort of thing says. If it's life or health of the mother and health includes psychological health, that's you know a loophole that you could put a freight train through basically meaning that abortion is still legal even past that uh, implied cutoff date. Yeah. It could literally mean anything. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think we've, I think we pretty much covered everything. Did you have anything else you'd like to note before we, before we wrap things up? Uh, well, you know, we can really use everybody's help here in Illinois. You know, just if you're in a state that has, um, you know, passed a lot of protective laws or even outlawed abortion, um, you know, think about helping us out here in Illinois, you know, come help us knock on doors or make phone calls, come give a financial donation. We need all the help we can get, not only to protect babies here in the state of Illinois, but in our neighboring states and beyond. Okay. All right. Absolutely. I think, I think that's good, good advice. I'd like to see everybody uh, do this in their state especially Illinois, but everybody in their state that has abortion laws that, that, uh, that are so loose and, and promote abortion. And, and hopefully we can work to make the, you know, a, an abortion free country for the most part. That would be amazing. I would, I would be, I would be really over the moon. You know, I, I, I truly had no idea that Roe versus Wade was going to be overturned and I was ecstatic. I was absolutely <laughs> ecstatic. Um, okay. So, uh, I want to thank you for showing for for joining us, uh, Amy Gerke. Um, my uh, again, this has been the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I've been joined by my producer and co-host, Brighter Later, and we drop a podcast once a week. I'm sorry, once a week, once a day, Monday through Friday. Uh, we do it uh, 12:01 a.m. So Sunday into Monday this is the first uh, podcast 
uh, and it usually ranges anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half, two hours, two and a half hours, three hours. It all depends on the topic we're talking about and the people that we're interviewing. Uh, we have some really, really interesting interviews. This was a very, very interesting interview. And so if you enjoyed this interview, please make sure that you uh, follow the podcast and that you leave comments and, and give us some uh, good ratings. Um, so in the future, again, there's going to be, uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a teaser uh, really soon here tomorrow, I think. Uh, Robert Spencer. Robert Spencer is part of Jihad Watch. Uh, he does work as far as uh, he writes books and he he's does a lot of, uh, he has a huge organization that combats uh, oh, uh, Islamic extremism and terrorism. And he'll be my next interview, which will drop tomorrow, 12.01 a.m. Uh, and we have some more really, really famous people coming up. So again, we drop a podcast every Monday through Friday. Uh, and I hope you join us again in the future. All right. Take care, everybody.